0: Hello and welcome Behind the Bar of A Pine of Cthulhu. Today I'm joined by my co-host Jay, as well as the two creators of the very fun and very enjoyable Salvage
1: Union. Would you like to say hello guys and introduce yourselves? Yeah, so I'm uh, Panny. I'm uh, one of the writers and designers of Salvage Union.
2: Uh, I'm Aled, um, uh, yeah, I also had a hand in the design, but I tend to focus more on the uh, graphic and production side of things, uh, like layout and stuff like that. Ooh.
0: Well, we'll start with the the all-encompassing icebreaker that we ask every guest. If you could say a pint of Cthulhu was any type of drink, what would it be?
2: Hmm. Jesus, Wept. something with wormwood in it. Um, Some kind of absinthe cocktail, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, it's absinthe Um, and
1: Guinness. Oh, absinthe and Guinness, I like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. But also, (laughs) no, okay, so I actually have, like, a gin from the Isle of Harris, and when we went to the distillery to buy it, they had like this um, little vial dropper thing that they sell you along with it. And it's like a concentrated seaweed essence to put in the like gin and tonic. So it definitely have <laughs> some of that yeah. in it as well, right? For that, that, that sea taste, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. to taste like the sea. Yeah. It's, it's got to taste really, really grim and also get you massively wasted. Yeah, so, and a like, bit hallucinogenic. <laughs> and a bit hallucinogenic, yeah. Hence hence the, the absinthe. absinthe. Yeah, 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 yeah no. Um, but no, I like the Guinness, actually. Yeah. That's, that's a good addition. Yeah, no, I like that, Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try that now yeah probably. <laughs>
0: yeah. as horrifying as that sounds I'm probably going to have to try that
2: <laughs> I'm kind of surprised how what? easy that question was like when you first asked it I was like oh I'm not sure but we actually you're the right people yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah I've been um playing TTRPGs since uh, I was a teenager. I started with uh, Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition of all the editions um, and uh, run a good campaign of that for me and my friends um, for a long time and then um, when I sort of got a bit older and ended up in uni I joined the game society there and then we played a a huge variety of games and that's when I sort of got um, interested in more of the indie game scene. I found uh, so my friend run me Dogs in the Vineyard uh, by Vincent Baker which is um, somebody, you play I'm as sure. kind of like Mormon clerics who go around a sort of Wild West setting. Um, and um, it has a really interesting uh, escalation mechanic um, where so, you have to go from like sort of verbal sort of I sparring to like fist fighting to finally shooting. And it was like just a really interesting take versus sort of the, uh, you know, the D&D games I was used to where, you know, if someone annoyed you, you'd immediately throw a fireball at them. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, and obviously, yeah, Vincent Baker, quite, um, quite a clever guy, ended up um, creating uh, the Power by the Apocalypse system, um, which has uh, turned out to be pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, and then, yeah, I got into that as well. So yeah, that was sort of my um, my TTRPG journey in a, in, a, in a brief nutshell, going from D&D to kind of indie stuff, um, and then um, uh, onwards and upwards, I guess.
2: Yeah, I know. I never really actually played any um, real games um, when I was like ten. Um, uh, me and a mate um, decided we wanted to like play a story gamey thing. I don't know. We, we just kind of made it up. So we've been playing a lot of uh, 40k. So we took like the stat lines from 40k and made characters based on those stat lines. And then I drew a map, and um, uh, we sort of accidentally started playing RPGs and then I did that for like <laughs> literally 16 years and it wasn't um, until I was in my mid-twenties that I actually played D&D for the first time um, and um, uh, yeah and then it just actually felt really weird because there was so many fucking rules sorry can I swear by the way um,
0: yeah, yeah go yeah, for okay, it yeah.
2: so many fucking rules and I just couldn't keep track of all of it so like um, I've always been since then on like the rules like side of things and more like of an FKR vibe because um, it's always been kind of made up things but yeah, in the last sort of like 10 years, I guess I've played, like, you know, tried to deliberately expose myself to a lot of things. Panny's helped with that, running a lot of stuff on me, so yeah. yeah, um, right, yeah. I've, I've deliberately exposed you to a lot of things. Uh, yeah, thanks, Penny. Yeah. You um... <laughs> 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 <Ooh, well. laughs>
0: are. Well, you kind of already answered the one of the ones we've gone on so we'll skip forward one. Um, so, Salvage Union, what inspired you? What was the start of how you guys came about creating this?
2: Uh, so, that was actually, um, the, the initial concept wasn't for an RPG, it was for a tabletop game. Oh yeah, for game. sure. You um, the and it was because um, Games Workshop released Horus Heresy that uh, a lot of the boys that I know from back home um, wanted to play, and um, I saw the price of it and I was like, screw that, I'm not paying that, um, I'll make my own game. T- tabletop um, War game. Yeah, Tabletop yeah. War game. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah no, so it sort of started as that and um I, w- I was sort of building this tabletop war game thing um but you know uh, obviously tabletop war games are outrageously expensive to even get off the ground and i had like a little play test set and stuff but it was it was a bit um it was a bit shit i'm not gonna lie um it was you know the, the first idea that you have and you just run with it um but um yeah no um then we were down the pub weren't we and um uh, chatting about stuff and um, we both sort of spun off um, and we were trying to do our own thing um, separately. And um, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really stuck with this project because I'm really bad at like writing stuff and actually committing things to paper. And um, Panic's got obviously a lot of experience in RPGs and stuff, so I was like, you fancy teaming up? And um, yeah, that's kind of how we went with it. And um, yeah, you dev'ed it out from what I had and um,
1: uh, wrote it all out and um, I carried on. Yeah no, I think that was the um, broad gist and that's where we. Um, so we went, we went for a few um, iterations initially because um, so Alan had, had a lot of um, initial prep from the war game, but um, um, he was developing around that concept, um, and um, so I took it and I was like, "How do we R- RPGify this?" Uh, and um, <clears throat> and the question there was in like sort of what sort of genre of RPG should we put it in? Uh, then we looked at a few like. Um, uh, like as I said like PBTA is obviously a, a pretty big genre and um, Blades in the Dark was also um, a sort of interesting idea but then obviously Beam Saber existed uh, which uh, sort of cornered that um, area of the market and uh, did it very well. So it felt like treading on those toes didn't work. Um, we could have gone ultra, sort of ultra ultra light because um, I mean I'm quite influenced by like old school D&D. That's one of my sort of favourite games, um, like basic and expert D&D and uh, old school essentials at the moment, which is a, a sort of reiteration of that with good layout. I really love that and um, so like an an ultra rules light version um, could be interesting but then the mecha hack um, already existed and is very good as well so again we didn't want to tread on most toes and um, then there was this RPG called Quest which um, Alad had um, already like um, in some of the playtests Alad did with the uh, original um, sort of version Uh, like original rpg version of it um kind of used the resolution mechanic from quest because it is a good like it's a d20 variable core resolution mechanic um which is um, just really clean and simple you know, you're a 20 and uh, you succeed, you effectively succeed, critical succeed, succeed with uh, a tough choice, you know, succeed with consequence, um, or you fail with consequence, or you critically fail with, like, a severe consequence. So it's um, it's just very clean. There's no modifiers or stats or anything to that. So you can just focus on, like, the narrative and the roleplay. So that was already there. And then I was like, well, why don't we just, like, do do, do all of Quest? It has an open SRD. Why don't we port, uh, why don't we port Quest sort of entirely... In, yeah. into it, you yeah, know, hack, like the, hack it entirely into a Yeah, and then Indian the abilities yeah.
2: become like the systems
1: and modules and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that was the logic, um, and it was like, because the, the real thing was like, how do we, because we wanted a simple mech game, but it was like, how do we make a game feel like it's still a crunchier mech game, you know? And, and you know, I love, like, Battletech, for example, and I love, you know, like, you know, being able to, like, target their arms and strip their armour and then knock out one of their weapons, you know, or, you know, take out their take out their reactor with a certain like core to the, like him hit in hit the back of the mech and where the armor's weakest and, and taking out their core that way you know all those little uh, all those sort of things have a really good vibe to them so it was like how do we get that feeling um without the crunch elements and uh, the abilities in quest really worked for that because they let you just be like oh i just do the thing i press i press my pin, i use my pinpoint target or i use that ability and i just blow your arm off I use this ability to jump behind your mech and um, yeah. strip, you know, um, strip the armor off its back, or um, or I have armor plating which can protect me, but it blows off and it, um, and it scatters and uh, is destroyed, but it, it prevents a hit. So you get that sort of feeling of of that sort of. more And also, also the mech yeah. building that that was yeah, kind of yeah. like the key thing for me was like having the mech building
2: in it because like for me, a, a mech game like. Spending a lot of time playing like MechWarrior 3, um, just in the character creation screen, like you know, it's it's like you know, yeah, character creator of the RPG, right? Like you know, it's um, you just spend hours and hours like detailing out your mech, and you're like, okay, well, if I take like 20 lasers and five heat sinks, then can I shoot them all without blowing up immediately? And that's kind of what it allowed us to do with Salvages. Like you know, you've got all of these hundreds of systems and modules, but it's kind of simple because all of that is like downtime, right? It's not mid-game like when you're actually playing you only have a limited number but um, you can spend your time between games just like poring over the book and doing that and that sort of takes me back to like the 40k thing as well right like it's like army building like when you're a kid like when I was 12 I just carried around the codex with me everywhere I went like every family trip or whatever it's like you're just sat in the back of the car writing lists you're never playing them you're just writing the lists, right? Mm. Like, but that's half the fun, you know, is is in just doing that. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I've got fond memories. I remember, like, uh, sitting on a bench like, with my my mum there when I was, like, nine, just, like, writing a list out before I went to, like, took me to the Games <laughs> Workshop because I was like, no, mum, I've got to write the list. Mm. Uh, they won't okay. let me play. I mean, they were they it was true. I went in there and they were like, do you have a list? I was like, yeah, I've got a list. I are like, okay. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Plastic crack army. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah no, getting while they're addictive. young. Uh, Games Workshop, nailed that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely an addictive one, That. I, um, I can't remember what interview it was on, but I remember one of you said Mech Commander.
1: Uh, yeah, so Mech Commander is the, um, yeah, I, play, I remember playing that when I was about, um, Yeah, twelve or so. It's a, um, it's like a, uh, it's almost like an isometric uh, sort of um, team-based strategy version of, I think, MechWarrior. Um, And yeah, it was one of the many influences. I think there's like, yeah, I mean, MechWarrior, uh, BattleTech, uh, like both for video games and the tabletop. And I played a lot of MechWarrior Four as well, uh, MechWarrior Four Vengeance, and MechWarrior Four Mercenaries. Um, if you were more. I think Mech Warrior three. Just literally Mech Warrior three and Steel Battalion. And the only reason I played Steel Battalion was because of that controller. And uh, honestly, it's a terrible fucking game. It's so hard to play. <laughs> um, but that controller was mm. like ace. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my first mech game was actually um, I was like eight, and it was Mech Warrior two on the Sega Saturn, which my dad got. Me. Oh, wow. and yeah, imagine, imagine controlling MechWarrior with a D-pad <laughs> <laughs> like you like say yeah, yeah. a D-pad like A, B, C and L and R like it was, I had no, no idea what I was doing, all I remember from that game was it had a really good opening cinematic mm. <laughs> and Wait,
0: you had the Steel Battalion controller, I've just looked that up
2: yeah no it was wild I didn't actually have it my friend Adam had ah. it and we used to go around to his house ah. just to play it but like um, his parents used to go away a lot so he used to have like these um, uh, parties when we were like 15, 16 and his parents would go away and just leave him in the house by himself um, which is kind of bad now thinking about it but like we used to love it <laughs> at the time because we'd go around there and like because I grew up in North Wales in the country so like when we used to drink we used to go camping so it was, when someone had an open house like you've got the empty right like you know you go around there, and um, yeah, so he just like we just go there, and we just sit in front of the massive TV with the thing, and you know the controller, and just take turns, right? Yeah, playing. Um, but yeah, no, it's really hard to play actually because it's um, it's like the uh, you know like recent VR titles, uh, like mech VR titles, yeah. and it's like you have to like control. It's it's kind of like a flight sim in that you have to be like really um, coordinated in what you're doing at all times it's not like it's not as easy as mech warrior to play and then that's that's what makes it kind of really difficult um to kind of like get and it's it's not and i never really liked that i like the um aesthetic like you know the, the the gameplay experience because you're playing with this controller and it feels amazing but it's also really really hard and then this was kind of the thing with, like, um, uh, so Lancer, for example, I love Lancer, like, you know, the, the book and the illustration and everything is amazing, but actually trying to bring it to the table is impossible, like, you know, there, there's so much to keep in mind all the time that it's, um, it's really difficult for me to, like, process, um, <coughs> which is kind of where Salvage came from as well. It's like, you know, um, uh, it's this thing of, okay, cool, so we have this... Vibe going on, but like, can we make it actually easy for people to do the things that they want to do? And that—that's kind that of was,
3: very important. Yeah,
1: it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That
3: was something that really surprised us all, I think, about Salvage Union, because I've looked into Lancer before. I'm a huge Transformers fan, so the idea of a robot mecha TTRPG was great. But as you said, it's complicated as hell, and a lot of TTRPGs, especially when they're trying to be very different things from the D&D, uh Pathfinder of thing. They overcomplicate things a lot, and they're really hard to get into. Salvage Union was super easy. Yeah, mm. it was really simple, and really intuitive.
1: Yeah. for guess so. Yeah, that, that's we the, succeeded. The design <laughs> goes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a huge part of the design, and we, um, mm. you know, and we just, sh- you know, we shaved off so many mechanics as well. Oh god, yeah, shooting, we, shooting all those darlings. All those darlings, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We had a stress yeah. mechanic for pilots at one point, for example, um, yeah. which wasn't like in of itself complicated, but it just adds that other layer. and and you find this sort of quantitative thing when you're when you're designing where like if you just even if individually a thing simply when you just keep adding stuff eventually it just it just like dies by the weight of the the,
2: the amount of edge cases we had to cut in terms of keywords because obviously a a lot of salvage union is based around keywords particularly for like systems and modules so it's like a keyword does like a thing right so Mm. um uh, and the amount of keywords we cut just because we are like, do we really need to make a ruling for this? Like, do we need to make it, sorry, not a ruling a rule. A rule, right? yeah. Do we, do we need a rule for this thing that might happen once in a hundred games or a thousand games? And, you know, we, we get asked about it a lot um, uh, by, you know, um, uh, by by fans and customers um, but it's it's kind of it's important, I think, not to have those things because if you have those things then all of a sudden now that's more load, particularly on the GM, right? Like to to know that and to bear it in mind. If you don't have it, you can work it out easy enough. Like you know, it's um so yeah. It's like trimming it down to really just what needs to be there, and um, I think yeah. that's an important part of our just sort
1: of like general design philosophy. Right?
2: No, absolutely.
1: You know? Yeah, I think, um, and with salvage, really, it's like the core mechanic, which is about D twenty you've got your abilities which are both your pilot abilities but also your mech secretly have like ability like each thing you add to your mech is sort of an ability and then there's yeah the keywords um which and traits which are like you know uh, your your gun might have a pinning trait which means uh it will might jam if it uh, no wait yeah it might have a jamming trait which means it might jam or it has the pinning trait which lets you like pin infantry or whatnot um but it's kept very simple it's kept as simple as possible and um yeah no but it is good to hear that it that, that does shine through because it was a, it was real core of our design goal because you know we wanted it we wanted savage you know the game for the, the game for the tired dad really was yes. like but yeah. that's like, me then Yeah. the actual like,
2: the actual like the name and the concept actually came from um, a place that a friend of mine um, uh, Mal Illich, um, so he actually wrote a game called Bane uh, which was bio neuro exoskeleton, right? But it was like it was more of a Gundam thing, like you know, in terms of it. But he had like in the background this concept of like salvage union, and um, so um, yeah, like that's that's where like the initial concept of oh, you know, actually taking that running with it because um, that was like a pretty simple game it's not something he ever developed into a thing so we licensed it from him and um uh, yeah like that sort of just salvaging your concept right
1: um, yeah um
2: and um uh, yeah that was like that was a really fun playtest. it was actually one of the yeah, one yeah of the yeah, inspirations yeah. i guess uh, for, for running with it mm-hmm. but, yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: and obviously that yeah. Yeah, that became really important i'm oh, yeah. sorry yeah go on.
3: Speaking of inspiration, you've already mentioned, you know, the video games, of the olden times. <laughs> so I'm sure mm. that knows a lot better than I do. Uh, were you, in- did you end up taking inspiration from any like more well-known mega stuff? Like you mentioned, Gundam, Transformers, uh, Neo Evangelion.
2: Yeah, Neo Genesis definitely for me. Like, mm. um, oh man, I loved that show when I was like, yeah, seventeen. Um, that
1: that was that was definitely a big one. Um, Mad Max as well I think just in terms of setting definitely yeah yeah huge, no uh, no, max but yeah definitely Mad Max um yeah I mean some of the influences came sort of from outside the mecha genre like there was um also 2000 AD and the wasteland yeah, thing yeah, so I actually I, I had a, an art book of um uh, the Judge
2: Dredd movie The Sylvester I one and um uh, a lot of the art book was like uh or a section of it at least was dedicated to the bit in the wasteland you know where they go out and that that was uh, that was a
1: Big influence for me, at least, um, in terms of aesthetic, visual aesthetic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah no, and I think for me, um, so uh, so one of the modules, uh, False Flag, is set in a um, sort of Cold War esque scenario where an um, alien anomaly uh, called the Meld has um, impacted this area and made everything very um, weird and left behind a lot of artifacts and powerful resources and things like that. And I took a lot of inspiration as a result from a roadside picnic, which is um, a uh, Russian novel, uh, which uh, people may be more familiar with because it inspired the Stalker series. People might be more familiar with that if you never know Stalker video games, um, or the Stalker film as well. Um, Got okay points if you can name the author because I've I've, I've read that because you lent it to me and I still can't remember the author's name. Yeah, my brain my brain's actually farted. there. I wanna say the something, but yeah, I am probably completely <laughs> wrong. That's and I point. I apologize, <laughs> yeah. Um, Kalinsky, I wanna say. Um it's Kalinsky, but um, I might be wrong. But yeah, that was a lot of inspiration. Um yeah, Amtrak Wars as well, which is an old eighties oh, novel. Is, yeah, great yeah about um just this wasteland kind of setting, um, where it's more it's more about um they're more like aer- they're like aeroplane pilots, like future like um apocalyptic um fighter jet pilots but yeah
2: um another thing actually um big inspiration particularly on the visual aesthetic was um one of the artists himself actually um, hamish freighter um so um uh, when it was initially being concepted, i think even before your involvement yeah. i'd um, i'd commissioned some art from hamish because i'd seen his um art like just stuff that he'd already done and so some of the pieces were actually um, uh, licensed rather than commissioned um because he'd done this really really cool art so like part of that setting is actually just like the art that he'd done and um it just looked like perfect for what we were trying to achieve Hmm. um so um yeah we we were just like ah yeah no we we need this guy on board and um uh, fortunately he was he was down for it so um uh, yeah Um, yeah, yeah, credit credit where it's due. I yeah, think, no, the... it was a
1: big influence on what that setting turned out to be. Yeah, yeah no, the Hamish art was huge. And... Yeah. No, I remember when I was seeing it, I was like, yeah it would be awesome if we could do, effectively do for that art what um, uh, Towns from the Loop did for like Simon Stalin, Starling, and stuff. Yeah, 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 uh, incredible. Yeah, it's art. actually very very similar. And it is very well. similar vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I was like, yeah. what if we could turn that art into a, a game as well? Like, yeah. I think that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, to a degree, we tried to. I mean, we did our best. Um, live up to the expectations. Yeah, um, but yeah, there was a quite, I think, quite a lot of broader influences. Um, yeah, of ran through it. So
0: it's funny how you should uh, mention the tales from the loop and things like that. Was just about to ask you if that was something that came into your mind when creating the Union, especially some of the artwork looks. Not the same, but similar vibes.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, vibe wise, like um because, um uh, Panny and I met while we worked at uh Modiphius. Um so uh, uh-huh. at the time obviously they were um uh, distributing um uh, Tales from Loop and um uh, yeah and then obviously there was the Amazon series which was kinda of coincided with uh, development. So um yeah, particularly I think um uh, the the real thing that Hug does so well, I think, is like placing these um, uh, these mechs and machines into like a normalized context, and then that was something that was quite important in terms of um, the sort of visual design for the mechs, and um, also like you know in terms of the game itself is that they're not combat mechs that it's not like you know okay this is battle tech and everything is like fighting all the time or like you know 40k with titans and they're, they're war machines these aren't war machines in salvage union they're, they're, they're just like you know the you know biped jcbs right like you know it's um uh they're, they're industrial equipment effectively uh, that's been repurposed and um uh yeah certainly like um uh aesthetically and
1: stylistically um that that was like yeah a huge influence you know mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely i think um and in, in and in similar respects i think like i mean, in from a obviously you play as uh children sort of like investigating it's like 80s kids on bike stuff and uh in the same way we wanted to go for a sort of um but you do blow things up in salvage union um you also are yeah you're salvagers you're actually going around like um you know exploring Scattering the wastes and uh, you're salvaging Sort of scrap and the sort of The stuff the corpos have left behind And using that to sort of support your community um, So there's a there's a bit more Of a sort of heart to it um, Rather than um, a lot of mech games Where you are just sort of more of a You're a cold hearted mercenary Who's you know just going out to gun stuff and, and return back And uh, I think that does Come through in the gameplay as well Like um, There's a lot of rules about salvaging Which we, um, uh, we Worked a lot on to make from sort of Clean and simple, but also quite fun and engaging, and that forms quite a core part of the game. Um, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, so I think it, but yeah, I think that was yeah,
2: yeah. We, we, we did um, a very deliberate decision as well in terms of um, the systems and modules um, that we put a cap on um, the combat systems and modules that we put in at 30%. And um, so, whenever we had an idea for a thing, we were like, okay, is that a combat thing or not? And if it was a combat thing, it's like, right, okay, well, is it, oh, are we at 30%? Because if, if we are, then uh, no, it has to get scrubbed. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we didn't want it to be, like, just a combat game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because very, combat stuff's really easy to do, because you're just like, right, okay, cool, let's make a number between this and this and give it uh, give it a trade that allows it to do damage, right? But coming up with something else is actually it's really hard. Like, you know, <laughs> what's, what's a cool thing that's not a combat thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. but yeah,
0: that works. Gonna ask, what is it you're cooking right now?
2: Oh, so I'm having <laughs> a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nuggies, as you do. Nuggies. So apparently,
0: there. But never mind.
2: Um... <laughs> so is that it, is it all right that we're just? <laughs> Sorry, having... we're, we're, f- we're halfway through, a night out so we're shit. just kind of like you know, chewing you know. in
0: post. <laughs> Um, I could just see you cooking. I was like, I've, I've got to ask, what is it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's
0: no problem. It's all right. Um, so when you were coming up with the the bad guy, as it were, the corporation, um, the nanite conglobulate thing that we fought in our little game, uh, what, what was the inspiration for those kind of
1: scenarios, situations, and... Well, creatures really um well i think um i mean the core thing is um that you're you're salvagers and you're living in a uh, corporate dystopia where you've uh, found a way to sort of live outside of that by living communally so like you're communists and <laughs> the enemy is capitalism like so that was quite easy because there's a lot of <laughs> real Sorry, life you know. examples of that uh, <laughs> like corporations bad it was not to no. uh, that too difficult
2: that wasn't too easy though because um, uh,
1: it was easy for me it's not easy for people no no no, no. It's, yeah. this is the thing
2: right so it's, it's easy to come up with that in terms of like the concept but try writing communism into the rules for your game right <laughs> it's impossible players are so it's not just players it's like everyone we, we all are and you don't even realise it right but as soon as you start saying like because one of the early rules was we like mandated that the scrap pool for, so all the scrap that you get is communal and everybody has to just share it's the first thing that people house rule is like no the scrap you get is yours and you can do with it what you want because people can't comprehend <laughs> the idea of like no this is just for everybody yeah, like you know communal ownership is like this is this is my <laughs> mech and this is my scrap and i can do with it what i want like it's it's like you know dnd and gold right like the gold belongs to the player not the group and it's it's oh. so inherent in everybody's attitude that actually trying to write that into a game
1: is really hard. Yeah, it's hard because mm. you, you just bounce off players who constantly yeah treat it like it's uh, far more individualistic um, than it is. Um, mm. Even in playtesting, like yeah, there was constant like um, so sort of even little things like players wanting to like buy um, buy NPCs drinks and me having to explain, that like you're you're on a union crawler. Everyone like you don't buy a drink; you just get given one because everyone's sharing. Like there's no currency. Yeah. Like it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a commune, effectively. You know, um, like that was a really hard thing. Um, and, and to a degree, that well, that is a lot of people being capitalist build. And to a degree, there's people being D and D as well, which in of itself has a very sort of individual individualistic um, sort of mercantile um, sort That's of a to it. core to its, um, yeah. its rules, um, which reflects for you know. The created in in america in the uh, in the in the heart of capitalism as it were um so yeah i think that um so yeah the enemies came out of that and uh, the corpos at least as the sort of um, antagonist um came out of that yeah mm. um yeah but that was quite tricky to i mean it was tricky also just from a perspective of like the corpos had to be in a way simultaneously this quite all-powerful entity but also like not so powerful, that they just like completely destroyed you as soon as you appeared. Mm. So there was a little yeah, bit, yeah. Of, um, was a bit of, a bit balance there, yeah. a bit of balance there and a bit of um, intrigue and stuff. I think again, false flag as a module, I think, which is the one we wrote, um, yeah. sort of um, shows that I think uh, the best. There's a lot of uh, so sort of, it's like a cold war, so bit, like you're not necessarily, you know, just shooting immediately shooting nukes at each other and everyone's not blowing each other off immediately because they don't want to escalate so there's a bit more like intrigue subterfuge and you have to sort of pick which side you want to work with there's a there's a worker faction which you can like um, as players sort of help and support as well in that um, but they're like really under-resourced and sandwiched between two very powerful core pros yeah. so um, there's then- difficult decisions in that module the 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 other two big ones is obviously the
2: Meld and the Bio Titans mm-hmm. as well. And the Meld actually came from that initial playtest. I was saying that Mal uh, mm-hmm. ran so like um, he'd actually named them the Meld, and it was an Allied threat. And you know, obviously that that stems back to like you know a, a lot of other stuff um, from sci-fi broadly, like you know Greco um, kind of thing. Um, and mm-hmm. then the Bio Titans was just like that was straight up like Neon Genesis, uh, Pacific Rim, like you know Godzilla. Yeah, it's just like. You're in a Big Mac. You want a giant monster to fight, like you know. Yeah, let's let's yeah, that
1: yeah. I do. I do feel the Bio Titans were just we really wanted monsters to fight, but look cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, there's an element of like they're the, they're the sort of. Co- um, they're created by the corpors as, as war machines, and mm. and they don't care It's all sort of the environmental damage that the corpors have done. But really, it's just we were in a giant monsters fight. I do feel mm-hmm. the meld um, are a bit more like linked a bit tighter to the themes as they're like, the, yeah. uh, well, they're sort of like the Borg They're like the extreme mm. of like yeah. um, <laughs> communal societies, like the hive mind kind of thing. Mm. They're the um, the starship trooper kind of, yeah. Oh, um, hang on, that... thing.
2: Are they the bad communists? Perhaps? They're the bad communists. They're yeah. tankies. Yeah, <laughs> they're <laughs> tankies. <laughs> they're literally the left they're literally
1: themselves. De- lefty <laughs> themselves. literally <Yeah>. lefty themselves. <laughs> so I, I think they, they, they sort of do fit. They fit yeah. quite well for Madden, I think, in yeah. a weird way. Um, yeah. And uh, beyond that, it was just, it, it's wasteland shit. It? It's raiders and mutants and... Um, yeah. And wastelands. Standards stuff. fall out. Mad Max. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did try to make it a bit more... Um, like most wastelanders are really just trying to survive, and yeah, there are important. some raiders, but they're like more opportunists. Like we didn't, we didn't want to go quite hard into, like, yeah,
2: like BDSM sadist raiders, yeah. that, you know, yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. um, like um, skinning people and setting things on fire. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that. So I think we it's were a here
1: first, sort of has a little bit of that, yeah. because um, it's fun. Um But um we did want to paint more of a, we tried, we attempted a bit of new I guess, a, a more sympathetic picture, I think, of people trying to survive, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's what you're. It's what. You, what's your route to survival, right? Mm. And, and people turn to raiding because yeah. it's a. It's, it is a way to get scrap, you know. And uh, maybe it's not good or whatnot, but yeah. But also in RPG terms, I don't. It's really. It's really tricky. Like, you, you giving players an enemy that they can feel like they're, they're not going to have to have a one-hour moral debate over over Whether fighting <laughs> um, is <laughs> yeah, for better or worse, can be quite important. And, like initially, we didn't. We skirted around that, but we, we, at one point, I just. said Fuck it, let's just have some raiders, and, yeah. and it did. It smooth things over a bit.
2: It makes it. It makes it easier to play, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? And that, that, that's that's also important because you know it's everything we do is like right, okay, no, let's play test it though, and if it doesn't work, then you have to, again, you have to take that darling round the back of the shed and put a bullet in his face. You know, you um, do. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you have to the it. Yep, Wow, it's it's one yeah. of our company' mottoes.
2: Yeah, no, um, we don't we don't say shoot the darling, we say shoot the puppy uh, <laughs> because it's um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit more real because like you know, really you have these ideas and you're like, no, I really want that. I think the the first draft of the game that I wrote had, um, and it was very important to the game because it, it originally had been designed to be played online only and um, it was that you always have to speak in radio parlance. There's a whole <laughs> section of the book dedicated to the radio parlance of the universe and like, you know, yeah, like 10 and all of that stuff and you had to speak like that at all times. It was like, you know, it's practically a LARP and um, Matt, could you have yeah, obviously we cut that because that.
3: sorry? Sorry, Carmen, yeah. one of our players in radio speak. Oh <laughs> yeah that would be
0: painful. Yeah, Although now we're going to have to try that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Like the, the first time we played it, I think um uh, the first time we played tested it, it had that rule and we were we were doing it and it was a lot of fun, but it doesn't work for like a game on general release, right? Like do you know what I mean? Um, well, people just ignore it. People just like, ignore it and you're like, Okay, well why did we even put that well, in like, okay, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I can yeah. send you the um the Google Doc with the uh the radio parlance stuff if you do wanna <laughs> yeah. run it. Maybe we'll do it as a zine or something. Mm. Yeah. Oh
0: hell yeah. That'll be awesome. <laughs>
3: So aside from the pilot talk, were there any other things that you, like unique things you were going to put in it that you just decided ah it just won't work?
2: So one of the really early ones actually was um, um we had advantage in the game originally, so we had like an advantage disadvantage system that got cut almost immediately again because um it's too easy to sort of like cheat with your design. It's like basically every system and module we came up with was like, oh, okay, it gives you advantage to this or disadvantage to that. And um, so like that was deliberately kind of hobbling ourselves in a way because like it makes you be more creative. Um, Cause um, that was like, yeah.
1: Yeah that, yeah, that
2: was like an early one, wasn't it? It, it was, um,
1: yeah. We cut that because it, um, yeah. Whenever when we were designing stuff, it was like, oh, it's a targeter. I guess it gives you advantage. Oh, it's an ability that makes you better at combat. I guess it gives you advantage. Oh, it's a uh, salvaging tool. I guess it gives you advantage at It's just boring. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And it forced us to make you know to make things different and to make things to make abilities do because the idea of the abilities in particular was like each one should just do like a really cool thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Really cool and powerful thing, and it should feel like cheating a bit almost. Like, you know, it, be, it should, you know, the player. We kind of wanted players to be like, wait, you can just do that, and like, do I get a saving for it? It's like, no, just, you, your, arms, just your arms blown up, <laughs> like, deal with it. Right. Um, we, we wanted to just, yeah, it was like, it's cool, you do the thing, and it's powerful, but it costs, you know, you're, you've got quite limited resources. Um, oh,
2: another yeah. one, no, the other one that we cut, which was, um, another one was, uh, variable damage. So, um, so there's an idea that I came up with um, uh, while working at Modiphius, actually. Or, like, you know, it's kind of a blog post that has been bouncing around my head but never really sort of, like, materialised. There's this concept of, like, um, emulative mechanics. So it's like... Um, most mechanics and games so um uh okay so big games design theory wise like MDA uh, mechanics dynamics aesthetics by robin Hunicky is like a great piece on like game design and it's about taking the gameplay experience or the aesthetics and then working backwards so working through dynamics which is how players interact with the rules to the mechanics themselves so you start with the experience and you work backwards rather than saying oh, okay cool so i'm going to make a fancy game let's start with attributes and then a skill set and then blah 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 and then eventually you arrive at the experience that you're going to Players are going to have out of it right you you work backwards now the the point of emulative mechanics was this idea that like um uh, yeah rather than trying to simulate a thing well this is going back to like gns theory now like forge stuff but um rather than trying to simulate something you try to emulate it you give people again the feeling of it now it, originally with the damage we had this idea that like um So all damage is rolled on dice, but then you roll dice equivalent to kind of what it is. So like a Needle Missile pod, for example, would roll like, you know, 20 D4. um, And that's the amount of damage you get out of it. But like a big, like plasma cannon just rolls a D100. And it's like, you know, yeah, so you get a big number, but single shot, right? And um, yeah, we axed that one again pretty quick because it was like, right, okay, who actually has 40 d4? Yep. Um, so how is that actually <laughs> happening? <laughs> it didn't work with, I mean, quest uses flat damage. And it so, damage.
1: Yeah. And like damage rolling. And again, with the simplicity. That, that one hurt to shoot though because like, I really yeah.
2: like that idea of just like picking up a load of dice and rolling them, but yeah.
1: No, it is cool, but I think um, with the simplicity as well, again, it's that like an even damage, like rolling damage is another sort of step in that equation. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I'd argue one of the, the biggest uh, things we left in kind and roof or At least we changed and developed was the salvaging of itself. Mm, um, yeah, of course. Because yeah. like initially, and um, you can you, if you track down the initial um, quick start we, um, which technically isn't online, but you could probably find it, um, the 1.0 quick start. Um, it had um, the salvaging system worked um, effectively by finding different parts. So you know you'd have um, if you found a wiring loom and an optical glass and a piece of scrap metal. You could build a laser if you found uh, two pieces of scrap metal and uh, a gun cartridge or whatever. You could build a machine gun.
2: It was kind of like a Minecraft-esque
1: yeah. thing where you take yeah. um,
2: an array of parts and you slap them together and it makes something that makes sense out of those parts. Yeah, and it
1: completely does not work in a 10-top game. Yeah, no. game. <laughs> <Yeah, just> we <laughs> we, we realised <laughs> that
2: the character sheet would need to have this like, enormous like, Excel spreadsheet, effectively, of like, all the hundreds of different components... And how many of each of them do you have? Like, so your inventory log has to be this enormous, like, sheet, right? And it just led to, like, player paralysis. Like, what do I do with this wiring loom? Do I, like, do I sell it? Do I keep it? I might need it later. Am I going to get another one? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah,
1: no, it just didn't work. Like, yeah, you had to. That's sort of thing. I mean, we generally did playtest it as well, and we found that players, um, unless you had, like, system mastery you didn't know what the value of the thing you just found was. Like, because you didn't know that a oh, well a wiring could now be used to build a green laser, but if you saved it later on, you could build a arrow gun with it. And those are the decisions we wanted players to make, but we realized they would have had to, like, you know, have internalized the entire rule book before they could even make that decision, which yeah. is the complete opposite to the sort of simple game where we wanted players to immediately and sort of just quite go, hey, viscerally yeah, no, and gonna, simply understand. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, going to, I want to shoot the thing. Do like, I shoot the thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay,
2: you shoot the thing. Okay, cool. Do I get yeah. anything? Yeah, you get this.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, that
2: sort of speed of play, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: so we we changed it to a uh, far more generic system but a system i think works significantly better in we context a role-playing game where where effectively scrap um is just can just basically you just find scrap um and you can then use that scrap to uh build like you know if you have free scrap you can build a green laser if you have four scrap you can build a blue laser but then there's there's tech levels so there's like this, so you know you need free tech two to build a green laser but tech free to build a blue laser yeah um, I mean even, but it's even, all just scrap even even then we modified
2: that system like twice right like oh, multiple, we, yeah. yeah multiple times like we had to modify that system because we play tested it and it still didn't quite work because we had like an inefficiency built-in initially where like you know if you scrap something you only get half back and then you know it was like half this double that to like half to scrap double to build like you know and all of these kind of things Eventually, we just went one-to-one on it, and it's just like, yeah, no, you can scrap everything. It actually works out really well because it means that, um, so if you get back to your crawler at the end of a session, you can just scrap your entire mech and build a whole new one at no disadvantage. And um, that was actually really key because um, one of the things we found in playtesting as well is that people hate changing their mech. They they always they build one mech and they're like, no, I love this mech. There are many like, mechs like it, but this one is mine. Like, it's that, right? and. Yeah. Um, uh, so they, they would just refuse to do it and they would just stay with tech one mech like the whole time because they're like oh no I just want this so um, like the most recent playtest you're running now right the mm-hmm. open world one um, uh, that we, we have a system where it's like oh yeah so it's like a sort of west marches kind of style thing but um, whenever you get back to the crawler, your mech is immediately liquidated and then the scrap that comes from everyone's mechs being liquidated is available to the next group to build their
1: mechs with yeah. and it works really well because now like you know it does yeah yeah, yeah. But ne- and the next group i'd like because it's like open campaigns of the next group are yeah. um are um a, a potentially a completely new group of players and i mean and to plug it it'll probably still be running whilst you hear it so if you want to join the Union cool. open campaign 7 7 p.m gmt on mondays <laughs> um join the Union <laughs> discord to find out more um yeah so that that was sort of the idea with that is that it, um yeah, it forces play to rebuild their max, and I think that's another thing we found. But that's because another that was another iteration, really. Because mm. in, initially yeah. uh, we didn't have that um, that system of um, the way you progress in the game is you you get entirely new max, um, and you sort of um, you slowly go up the tech tree, but you pick like quite unique, different chassis every time. Um, initially, it was a lot more of a simple system where you just sort of you pick your light, he- it was like light, medium, or heavy frame, mm. and then that right. upgrades yeah. Yeah, yeah. as you play, but but because we wanted we missed 30 mechs in the core book and because we wanted them to actually feel like genuine choices rather than just sort of different skins we we completely like mm. converted the system we did a lot of playtesting on we South did China. a lot of playtesting like an obscene yeah. amount really considering this is why it was yeah. kind of so late coming <laughs> yeah. out in a way right like, <laughs> we're was... like
2: no it needs to be it can be better it can be better than this yeah let's, let's do some like, more playtesting
1: we unironically we genuinely did the meme of, of the kickstarter it's like no genuinely but we did it we did actually playtest it and we were actually improving it it wasn't just we weren't just saying it because we were delayed. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, so that's so, a. You say about
0: things. having thirty odd mechs in the rulebook already. The spare electronics, mm-hmm. the keys adding more to it already. How do you guys feel about that kind of thing? That people are already inspired to build more from this world.
2: Oh man, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, awesome. you know, um I, I think that's just like the dream for any like games designer really is that people find your work so inspiring they want to build on it right um i mean we we, we actually deliberately added some stuff to each of the modules as well um to sort of like expand it out to separate out some of the more complicated rules like the Nanite rules are in full flag the um you know the bio uh the biotech rules are in uh we were here first um you know the sort of diesel punk stuff is in rainmaker um so we'd kind of already done a bit of that um, but yeah no other people wanting to like add stuff to the game that's like that's awesome and like you know um, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really cool. It's what it's what the game's kind of built around in a way as well. Like, you know, um, even I think when we were in layout, we were still adding systems because we, uh, we found we had like some gaps in the layout and we were like, oh, right, okay. And people were suggesting stuff on the Discord. Like, I think I remember somebody said, oh, there should be like a sand blaster system. And, um, you know, you could use that as like, you know, kind of the mech equivalent of like pocket sand, right? Um, so you kind <laughs> of like, go you've got that. But also like, it can be used for like varying purposes. Um, and we're like, that's a really cool idea. Let's like, yeah, we'll let's, add
1: it, like, we, let's chuck it in the book. You know, we, we've got some time. Let's let's yeah. pop it in the book. And yeah, um, <clears throat> was a huge number, but like, there's loads of stuff we still left on the room floor. You know, um, yeah. But like, we'd also hope, yeah, like um, third parties. Um, would uh, yeah, like um, either publish like Spyro Electronics um, mm-hmm. in a more sort of a, a, like you know proper publish form, or even just you know do homebrew stuff at home and stuff because the, the game is designed yeah. for that. I think a, a real core tenant was that like whilst it is a you know intended to be quite a simple and intuitive game at core, it still has a lot of customization. It's the of depth,
2: right? It's yeah, yeah, complexity
1: versus depth. It yeah. is, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that was really important. And um, and you know I, th- I feel like, yeah, every one of them is like a genuine decision still. Like even though. Um, you know the mechanics are quite light and quite loose in places it still you know feels like you know do i want to uh you know a vertical frost unit on my mech or do i want to give it a hover loco instead or do i want to give it this target everything uh... comes with a compromise right yeah everything's a compromise you know Uh, and you have to then work together as well because we purposely made it so each mech is just a, a little uncomfortably squeezed so you can't you can't put everything you want on Like You can't have a mech that's like got all the defensive options, all the offensive options, plus salvaging options, plus hacking mm. options, plus communication options. You know. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah. You can't, yeah. Um, and, um, One or the other, really. Yeah, I mean, we actually worked it out.
2: So um, even just the core book by itself, I think it's like 150 different mech... Be- uh, sorry, 150 million different oh, things, God. potentially. Um, yeah. Because it's actually crazy once you take all the different vari- variables... And multiply them. It's about 150 million different. Oh yeah, yeah, when you do right. that. yeah, I mean, yeah. when you
1: do that math, it does become just—it you know, becomes ridiculous it's obscene, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because you're yeah. timesing like every potential. Yeah, every every single option. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, yeah, so at least. Yeah. Um So from what again from that Jay, we have permission to make the Raiders BDSM group.
1: There <laughs> no. There's, no um, there's nothing in our SRD, which is you can. We have a fully open SRD. There's nothing against BDSM in there. We're we're very kink positive as a company. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Why
3: make it readers when you can go players?
1: Exactly. Why not? I mean, Why not?
3: <laughs> there's literally a system the players in the core robot called the um... speed executor.
0: We joke, but we probably uh, will end up doing
3: something like that. <laughs> <I just> Neither <think laughs> of us has the time. Actually, yeah after the, yeah, after the current project, maybe. Yeah. That
2: yeah. Was... We, we There's literally a module in the core book called the Personal Recreation Device. Um. Oh, uh, uh-huh. so, yeah. Like, uh-huh. a television, or like yeah, a television or. Yeah, television game console. or. Yeah. I um yeah I, I, uh, <laughs> stress, stress,
3: one of these eh? <laughs> perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. have you seen the VR ones of those map? They exist now and I are we, are we talking feel... about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> VR thing that goes <laughs>
0: no. Oh wow. No, okay. Wow. Um <laughs>
2: Sorry, so just because I know Back I'm allowed to say it. Um, one of my favorite words, I think, of the last 20 years, although I think it was like word of the year in the 90s at some point, but it's teledildonics. And I think that's just the best <laughs> word. Um, the uh, yeah. And been... um, I really think it's not even hit its sort of like peak yet. But I think teledildonics is going to be very important in the future.
1: 2025, a year of teledildonics. Yeah, right. Can you tell us what that means?
2: Uh, Oh, so, sorry, yeah, teledildonics is um, uh, basically the concept of um, uh, (laughs) internet-connected sex toys, um, where one activates the other. So, like, telecommunication, um, but in terms of stimulating another person sexually.
1: So it's like that scene in... um... Film with, um, or like Demolition yeah. Man, yeah, Demolition Man, yeah, or yeah. actually
2: more recently, perhaps Upload, where yeah. she's in like the suit, and you know, it's the the whole thing. But Teladildonics is a word, I think it's one of my favorite words ever because it's like it Fair feels enough. like a made up word, but it's actually a real word, it's in the dictionary. Check it out. Um, I love oh, it. Yeah. There you go. So, back on the
3: game. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Sorry. Back, back to something, yeah. hey, we started the tangent, it's fine yeah, You guys have playtested an absolute ton for this game and the progress shows. What do you look for when you are playtesting?
1: Cool. So um so I did a lot of playtests on um on our Discord, uh, mostly with um uh, people from the uh, Kickstarter initially. I mean, initially, initially we did some friends like before we launched the Kickstarter, and then we had some fans, and we invited them in to like playtest the game. Um, and you're sort of looking for again, it, it, it's it's like vibe, like like I um, was talking about. Um, sort of uh, MDA like uh, mechanics and aesthetics and all that good jazz. Like it's yeah. How does this feel? And does this feel? Does it give the right experience? Yeah. Does this does does this give the right experience as to what we intend? And um, and if it doesn't, it gets cut. And that's often not necessarily based on feedback. Like feedback, you always have to take a pinch of salt. Like there's a there's yeah. a there's a maxim, but like players are often right about feedback for the wrong reasons. Like yeah. or they can't right quite identify it.
2: Yeah, but if they if they raise it, it's because there's a problem. Yeah. But their solution to that problem that they will inevitably recommend might not always be the right solution to it, because a lot of times players will raise an objection because something isn't working as they expected it to, and then they will suggest add more rules to fix that. And um, sometimes, actually, the solution is to remove rules. Yeah. Um, you know. But so you always have to take it with a pinch of salt. Um, But um, I think, yeah, the most important thing about feedback is um, trying to hear what people are saying is their objection. It's it's understanding the objection as opposed to understanding the suggestion, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think also just like observing what um, choice of players like. Um, mm. So the mecha was is a good yeah. example of that. I oh think God, yeah, that was, yeah. That was a huge one actually. Yeah. yeah so the mecha yeah. is a, a tech one system in the game. That um, the initial concept of it is that it's a, it's basically a giant catapult that throws scrap at um, an enemy or a location or you know, whatever you want to do with it. It's a big catapult. It, it fires scrap. And um, initially, it was, um, pardon me, quite dull. Um, it was um, it did good damage.
2: Yeah, we, yeah, we put, it just we did, put the damage numbers just really did high damage, on it yeah, because yeah. that's
1: the thing. The scrap, obviously,
2: you lose the scrap, and scrap is like a valuable resource in the game. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it launches, it
1: destroys the scrap. But yeah, initially, it did like loads of damage. It did like three times for tech level of a scrap or something. Um, so it was like it was like solid damage numbers because we had worked out like you know what average damage should be at each tech level, and it and it like beat that by by a good margin. But nobody ever picked it. Nobody ever ever, yeah. ever picked it. Nobody um, ever
2: picked it because they were like, "No, scrap's too valuable a resource, yeah. and I we don't want to waste it." And we kept
1: increasing the damage number until it got to like, I think it got to like at least four times. Um, so like, no, we
2: we got it to six times. I think. Oh yeah, I think we oh, yeah. Still like, didn't pick it. Yeah,
1: people didn't pick it. Um, yeah. And so then we just changed it entirely, and we did a <laughs> we did a d twenty table um, for it. So with um, so twenty different options. So you, when you now use it, you spend scrap. You roll the dice. You roll a d twenty and there's 20 different options that range from it exploding and killing all your allies um to um you know it's shooting like irradiated um scrap to it like um sparking electricity to it shooting fire like there's just loads of different options and uh suddenly everyone picks it because it just it just dumb and fun and yeah, it was fun, Street, but then yeah. the funny
2: thing is is on the new table, the damage was dialed like way down. Yeah, It's like it's I And mean, there's it far more negative effects, fr- as frankly now like. it's a fucking liability if you take it, but people take it <laughs> all the time because it's the experience of having it. It's it's not it's not always just about the numbers, right? It's about the experience yeah. That yeah. you're providing and that that it's was It's the
3: wild you know. magic sorcerer of Yes, 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 it is absolutely. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's I the it's the uh,
2: snotling the, name... the snotling walk gun, right? Yeah, the 40K. The warp, it's, the warp it's that, right? Like it's um it's a stupid thing, but people love it because it's just. It's unpredictable and it's crazy. And really, actually, the key thing with it is that it drives good narrative. Um, because when you use it, something interesting happens. Um, you don't just like, oh, you use it, okay, well, I get this number result. It's like something interesting is happening, and that's really what's that's at key. the core yeah, of yeah. most like RPGs, really. People are waiting for something interesting to happen, and the more you can facilitate that, the better,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You want, you want interesting things to happen a lot, and, and every ability and also every like system Etc. is to be something has to be interesting yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I think that um, through playtesting testing and um, yeah it's just a process we did a lot of feedback forms we you know we listened a lot yeah. we tweaked a lot um, like as we said we, we edited the salvaging system for a lot of iterations I think it was just too harsh initially and we and we, um, we up the numbers because um, it felt like too grueling for players like players were coming back with just like no scrap or, or yeah, negative scrap, like so frequently. Just to try and stay alive. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. arguably worse, just getting quite confused, like because of all the different like multiplications and halvings, where they, they weren't able to still make the intuitive sort of decision. So I we mean, we just made it as simple as possible, and that seemed to point uh, it out. Right? I did it. Yeah. I, did it. I will admit, when you said mythical, my first
3: thought was the ability to like pick up another man and fastball special. Yeah. Well, I mean people have
1: used, that's, that's the other like, people have used it for that as well in play and <laughs> it's a very permissive system, so I just sort of yeah. say, Yeah, roll on the table and that will happen to that well, mech. You know? In theory
2: that's actually kinda of core cool to the design philosophy of the game as well, It's like all the systems and modules have like a written use, but they also have like a little narrative blurb just before the like written explicit use. So you can use it for its explicit use because like, you know, obviously trad gaming sort of model like D D, you have like these buttons on your character sheet that you can press. If you're not like super comfortable with improving everything um but then also there is this thing of like you know like uh, the the hose right mm. so um uh, we have like just a water hose system basically um and it's just yeah you can it, you just have like a hose um and there's a written specific thing of if you hose down a mech then it removes heat in an action but it's also a hose like you know if you want to make something wet you can like you know so it's like how are you using that it's like that sort of old school d d thing of like um, I think the first time I played d and I had like summon water as a spell and the first thing I did was like alright oh, okay we're in a fight I'd like have zero good spells because it's like you know um, level one um, so I was like oh can I just conjure water around this guy's head and drown him? and it's like it's that that instant thing that everybody always does is like how can I leverage this to an advantage right and so Providing hmm. that I think is you know providing a gateway to that is like you know is good yeah yeah
1: it's good design in that regard. There's no rule that says we'll sweat. Oh god, are we going to get into this one? No 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 no. Uh, no. Um...
2: What? Uh, I mean, so I there's to... there's, there's, a, there's a physics argument right that water uh, isn't <clears> necessarily... Like, what is wet? <laughs> um, what what is the concept of wetness? and uh, so you mm. say that something is wet but what that means is that you have like um basically uh something on the surface that uh elicits less friction but like is sand wet because sand often behaves in a similar way as water does but we don't consider it to be wet right
1: yeah
2: you got a bit deeper with me i mean i was more
1: trying to make a point of um... oh sorry right okay yeah, <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I mean, that, no, that conversation. no we, we weren't really <laughs> no i was more <laughs> trying to make a point of like we were talking earlier about like how many like what mechanics do you need to define
2: um, oh yeah no keywords yeah yeah well yeah, do yeah. you need to define it's oh, yeah, like no, okay, do you sure. need to you know do you so need to a a do
1: hard. you need to define the water as well and, and there are some players oh, yes. out there who genuinely <laughs> would be like well it doesn't say that the, the hose can put out a fire <laughs> you know um, yeah no it doesn't yeah. have like you know the
2: anti-burn keyword yeah or whatever. so yeah, i guess yeah, it yeah. can't
1: um yeah. so there is that but yes the idea with the game is that yeah you um yeah you can make shit up yeah um yeah, sorry it's it's right. I one. went I went way too
2: deep on did, that for yeah. a second. Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> or it's, it's fine. <laughs>
0: it's, it's always quite interesting to have those little random deep moments. Yeah. <clears throat> Throughout this entire project, what would you say has been your most memorable thing about it? I mean obviously it's funded, it's been out for a while now, but what was the most memorable thing about the whole thing?
2: So for me, I would say um, the dev process. So it's when we were first mapping out basically the framework of the game. Uh, So we did it in the flat that we're in now um, and we had like, um, so um, uh, I really like wallpaper lining paper, um, if you know what that is. Um, Basically you can go to B&Q and you can get this big roll of like, um, it's essentially craft paper, but it's what you put on the wall before you put fancy wallpaper up, right? Um, and it helps to smooth out the wall. Mm. But you can get like a whole roll of that stuff for like a couple of quid and it's massive. And so we had like a load of highlighters and this wallpaper, lining paper and we just like rolled it across. I have this really narrow but long table um, because of the shape of my flat. Anyway, so um, uh, we rolled this paper all out and then we were just like writing everything on. And we did like so many sheets, like it was about 10 sheets of it. And eventually we'd kind of frameworked out like the whole game for the most part, like all the abilities, just names, not like what they do, but like just the the vibe of what the thing should be. And then we laid it all out on, um, on the bed afterwards and took a photo of it. And it was just like this big photo of like all of these, just like keyword soup basically on all of this paper. And that was just like, okay, cool. That's the game. Let's make it, you know? And it was that moment of like, oh, hey, we, we, we have something here. That that was, for me, um, yeah, a really, really nice moment, I think. Yeah, no, that was a really nice moment. And, yeah. um, have yeah, you like, still got it? Uh, I still have the photo. Um, I'm not sure we... No, maybe no, we do. I think I have. we have it in the studio somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on, like, a top shelf somewhere. Um, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Um,
1: I don't know. The photo's on Twitter somewhere, probably. So. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that was a really good moment. And that's yeah. when we... Um, we sort of centralised uh, a lot of the design. Um, for me, there was that. There was when it to, to be honest. If I, when I look back, it's really like because I did uh, the majority of the writing on the project in the end. I mean, savaging is like a ninety thousand word book or so, and I don't like it's. I don't remember writing. <laughs> like it, it all just sort of merged together into a into a <laughs> state. It was it was um, bizarre. It's like the biggest thing I have ever um, worked on, um, but it didn't. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't quite. Um, yeah, yeah. That just it, there was a there's a lot of dead time in there just because you know, we were so busy and frantic and just oh. got to get the thing done. Um, but certainly, I think the playtesting for me um, and the um, playtest groups, plus like the the games I ran at uh, UK Games Expo, um, for example, uh, uh, games on demand were um, very memorable and was also a good like sort. of, Feeling. Sorry,
2: I've got, can I can I say a second one
1: actually because I
2: just remembered another go one, for which it. was um, uh, the, at Dragon Meat when we just launched the campaign so we'd done the quick start so this is before we'd even done that sort of like frameworking stuff right um, so it was even before then we'd done the quick start and we were at Dragon Meet um, uh, 2022 mm-hmm. and um, well that mm-hmm. wasn't awesome. uh, you well, were the one because you had COVID. COVID yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but cool. um, uh, Lloyd um, Lloyd Guian uh, ran a playtest for us. And um, I remember thinking, I think we have something here because Lloyd ran a play test, and we were currently running the Kickstarter campaign, so it wasn't even for sale. Uh, but we were running the Kickstarter campaign and we had some printed quickstarts. And um, uh, yeah, so if you backed it, you got a free one. Um, and anyway, so like he ran this session for four people and all four of them who had played the thing came over and immediately backed the Kickstarter. And not only that, but one guy who was on a table next to Lloyd while he was running this playtest was like, you guys sound like you're having so much fun. And he was playing another game, but he was just listening in <laughs> on the game that Lloyd's running. He came over and backed it because he was like, well, I know they just sounded like they were having so much fun. This sounds amazing. I've got to have it. And it was like, that was just like a, a bit of a moment of like, holy shit, do we have something like big here? Because this is, this is
1: nice. Yeah. 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 That, was, that, that was nice. Yeah. I mean, also Lloyd's <coughs> insane. GM. Lloyd's an insanely
2: good yeah, GM, and he, yeah, yeah, like he makes everything that he runs. Amazing. He does. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you he does. Know, but, uh, credit, but credit where it's due. Yeah, I think there was something to the game as well. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was it was a nice moment.
2: You know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, some some guy who's not even ever played it, he just heard other people playing it, like yeah,
4: wanted to buy
1: it, right? Like that that was nice. No, yeah. that was cool. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm. Mm. you've talked about the best. Let's hear the worst. What parts of making and testing out the game were just oh, the God. worst? The most difficult. Enough
1: that lift broke when the lift broke, I was about to say the exact same <laughs> the thing that's, that's
2: fulfillment um yeah. yeah so we were um uh, we finished it all the books are in um uh, we're doing the packing we're sending it out to all the backers um we've packed up 750 kilos worth of books Jesus so um uh, uh Royal sorry. Mail so you, you, you can get like uh, Royal Mail to come and pick up your packages right and they will like if there's a lot they'll drop off these cages they're called yokes um and um they will drop them off and they're basically like you know if you've been down asda tesco whatever like you know the cages that they have for the food they're, they're that big they're, they're that size we had two of those completely full right of packages to go out and we've got our studios in like um an industrial building so like they have this like industrial lift in there and um uh, so and that's always been working the whole time we've been there like a year and it's never broken And um, uh, so we've got 750 kilos worth of packages on two cages full. And um, the the Royal Mail lorry comes to collect the cages. And um, Mm -hmm. uh, the the guy comes and we're like, okay, cool. And we try and call the lift and it doesn't work. And um, then the (laughs) guy's like, so then the guys in the unit next door to us, like they've had problems with the lift because they're like woodworking guys. So they use it more than we do. And um, they were like, oh, okay, let's try and reset it. And the guy's like, Uh, One of the guys there was like, oh yeah, no, I've seen the lift engineer do it, and he's trying to fix it, and it's just not happening. And then the Royal Mail guy goes, right, okay, well, look, I've got to go do another collection. I will come back in 20 minutes. As many parcels as you can get downstairs, I will take them, but like, I only have one spare cage on my lorry, so you can get cage worth, but the rest of it's going to be late. And we were panicking because we're already late for filling, and um, uh, we were going to Dragon Meat like the next week. So we were like, right, okay, well, we gotta, we're going to launch it at retail. Like the backers so the next, have to have it. like
1: in three days. Yeah,
2: it's like, no, it's three days. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Saturday, and we were well, like, no. Thursday. There you yeah. go. And um, we were like, no, the backers have to have it before we go to retail. Like we have to at least have shipped mm-hmm. it, right? So. Um, uh, yeah, we had 20 minutes, and um, yeah, it was like a reality fitness TV show thing. We were like, right, okay, we've got to get all this stuff, like, downstairs. There's three flights of stairs, right, down, downstairs to get. So um, we were just, like, bagging them up, and we were just carrying these sacks of parcels, like, downstairs, running up and down the stairs. We carried one of the cages down the stairs and um yeah we we did it all in like 25 minutes um we we shipped all the parcels downstairs and we got it all in the cage and we did it yeah. but yeah fuck me that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> crawled in a corner and had a little cry yeah okay. no yeah. genuinely i ruined Sounds a really fast, good jumper as well doing that one like mm-hmm. um yeah um it's all bubbled up now because <coughs> of like the parcels rubbing up against it yeah. as, um,
1: See, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was a very stressful moment. That was um, stressful. Yeah, yeah. I think more more abstractly for me, I don't know it was. Um, so the Kickstarter did a lot better than I uh, I had certainly expected. Um, I knew it was, I was a good idea. Than you were, you were yeah. yeah. I knew it was a good idea. I knew there was stuff behind it, but we were very early company. Still double done, what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was double what you thought. It was about four times what I thought. Yeah. You know, um, and I'd have been happy with um, you know, about, yeah, about the cause yeah. Of what we did. Um, so then, when it did do very well, and um, we were suddenly getting a lot of um, game press and all sorts, of Dicebreaker articles, and um, and a lot of backers, like you know, two thousand four hundred backers, there was something just a lot of pressure, right? So it, it went from like, yeah. "This is a cool, fun thing," and we'll, we'll throw it out there to like, "Oh shit, I need, we need to like make this," and I need to write a lot of it. Um, so that was a lot. That was a lot of pressure, and then there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of you. You learn a lot, like a lot of logistics and a lot of. Um, yeah a lot of uh yeah just dealing with you know um business stuff but also trying to um be creative and do a lot of writing and play testing and stuff and just trying to make it as good as possible but also hitting the deadlines which um we were a bit late on and um you know we obviously did want to make the game as good as possible and there was a, a lot of pressure there and that was difficult you know to agree for me to deal with because um yeah, you have it's to, a lot you know it's a lot yeah, you yeah. have to learn a
2: whole other skill set you know in terms of like logistics and production and you know all of these things and the the things you don't necessarily know but you you reckon you can figure out but then it's complicated man it's like you know sending pallets to america for shipping in america mm. and you know yeah like um uh, making sure that everything arrives on time and then goes out on time and you know yeah like um, even from a layout perspective like you know uh, obviously my background's graphic design so like you know I, I know layout but layout for print is a whole other animal you know um,
1: and uh, figuring that out yeah there's a lot of that yeah 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 no, and um, oh, yeah just a core bulk of the work you know and we had a lot of fans and People liked the initial concept, and it was like, "Can we deliver this, you know, to the standard that we've um, promised?" And I think that is for, that's the thing with all Kickstarters, but um, for us, it, um, you know, we and we did genuinely expand the game so much and like playtest it so much more because we'd had so much more, so much support from the community. No, you don't, you don't want to let anyone down, do you? No, you don't. Yeah, yeah. and you feel like, and we get a lot of positive comments, but we, you know, when someone isn't happy or something, it does, uh, it does affect you, and often it's like it's fair, you know. Maybe as a typo it's a or maybe it's it just common, doesn't you know, often. Yeah. yeah or maybe it's not quite what they expected maybe they did want more of a crunchy salvaging system like it was originally or whatever and you do think like oh you 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 know, you still feel a bit bad even though you think well we still made that decision for like the best of the game um, but you know what we thought was the best game in the end um, nonetheless it is a decision that we made and it could have been different you second guess yourself a bit as well I think no um, you definitely yeah, do yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 can be quite yeah, yeah. you have to look yeah because yeah, um, yeah you know we could have done. There's all sorts of decisions we could have made. You know. Oh, we could have made a completely yeah. different game. Yeah. A completely different game. Yeah. And you, you do wonder sometimes, but but we did. We did. We did our best. And we're still proud of it. Yeah. You know. We we still talk about that one sometimes. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, but
2: what if we'd have yeah, done this? Like done you this. know. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. would you change? Actually, that's a question we yeah. panda back and forth between each other. What would you change yeah. about the game yeah. if you had the opportunity to do it now? Yeah. And um, yeah, that that's a hard one. Yeah. You know, because um, there's always an answer. but Yeah. yeah. Um, we always tend to come back to the same decisions,
1: yeah. yeah, I think you do for the most part, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be little nibbles and stuff, but um but yeah, for the most part, yeah,'cause you you just yeah you just talk through the same conversation you already had again, <laughs> no, again. exactly yeah. no, I was right. <laughs> it did make sense <clears throat> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that leads on to basically one of the last things we have is what are your future plans now? I mean, what's next, what comes out after after this?
1: Obviously. Uh, so we've, we've got a few um, sort of um, projects uh, in the works, as it were. And for Salvage Union, the next thing we do want to work on and release is. Uh, the Salvage Union Starter Set, which is a uh, kind of box set with um, a, kind of an introductory um, sort of a classic starter set product. It will have like a, a new starter adventure, uh, some nice maps of um, the world, um, and the rule books kind of condensed and split up um, to make them a bit more, um, like all the systems and modules split up to make them a bit more manageable, and some pre-made characters and some dice and other stuff. Um, so that's like our, um, our, our next idea for Salvage um, that we've been... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah,
2: the one we're actively currently working on is, uh, it's not a salvage thing, um, but it's um, uh, working title Cyblock. Um, so it's for the uh, Cyborg um, RPG uh, by uh, uh, Johan Noor and. Um, oh, it's not Nils it because uh, that was Mothbock who worked with Johan on Cyborg. That's embarrassing for me. Christian? Oh, uh, Christian Sorensen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, um, uh, we're working on a, a cyborg mega dungeon, basically. So, it's kind of like um, uh, you know the movie Dread um, uh, mm. with Carl Urban um, playing just Dread. Uh, so, it's basically a massive sort of like tower block uh, mega dungeon, effectively. So, um, you kind of like it's a campaign in a book, um, but it's going to be a really big book because. Uh, this thing is like 50 stories tall and like, you know, hundreds of rooms per floor. It's like, I think our current um, uh, map for it has about like 6,000 rooms. So it's like, it's it's huge, it's vast. Um, um, but yeah, it's about like condensing that into kind of a usable format and how do we do that? Um, so that's, that's what we're working on at the moment, um, uh, which is like really exciting because um, I'm, I'm currently working on the uh, cover illustration, which is really cool. It's kind of based around... Um, Uh, so there's some real world influences as well like um, uh, the the Tower of David from Caracas Um, so like an abandoned building that's taken over by people who then form a community within that building and sort of fit it out themselves Um, mixed with that sort of uh, dystopian cyberpunk megablock thing um, like the Vodafone Tower as well it's got this hollow core which is like you know filled with trash and um, uh, uh, yeah the the classic sort of Calvin Ward City
1: kind of vibe thing right you know
2: so yeah,
1: that's, yeah. Uh... yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to work on that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. it was, uh, it was actually a, it was initially a zine project. I got a bit out yeah. of control. I think. <laughs> we were talking about like, yeah, different zine quest projects, and we, we came on that, and it, it seemed like a really cool idea. But then we were like, well, it's a mega block. Like it can't, it can't really be a zine, can it? It needs to be. And we like, we were hat. like, oh, well, okay, we will make it a hard, but like maybe an A like similar side, But off; it probably needs to be A four, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, well, how many how many pages <laughs> how many does it pages? take yeah. to do fifty floors? And then you are like, oh, oh, okay, well, is it six hundred pages <laughs> yeah. long?
2: And you know, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're currently trying to manage the scale of it, yeah, a yeah. Bit and uh, print costs and stuff. But it's yeah. it's going to be it's going to be big. It's going to be like big. huge.
1: And, uh, um, so, yeah. yeah, I feel this year is the, the year of mega dungeon. But yeah, dungeon twenty three was last year, and it was certainly. So I did a bit of Dungeon Twenty Three, and that sort of formed part of the um, yeah the initial part prep, of like, initial yeah. prep and our discussions around it were definitely inspired by Dungeon Twenty Three and us um, yeah yeah sort of getting excited about mega dungeons and then um, mm. yeah it's coming together. We played a bit more of Stonehell Stone recently, haven't we? Yeah, we Stone Stonehell, which yeah. is uh, an Old School Essentials. Um, actually, it was initially designed for Labyrinth Lord, um, but yeah. I ran it in Old School Essentials. And Labyrinth Lord's right. kind of similar, to, it's like basic and expert, but with a bit more um, it was actually sort of basically an expert but they were a bit more worried about whether they'd get sued so they just kept it like (laughs) a bit more different and then OSC came along and was like nah we'll just make it basically the same Um, but yeah um, so yeah we've been playing Stonehill Uh, yeah we ran a playtest of it actually at um, Contingency we were at recently a playtest of Cyblock um, which went really well, yeah, the um,
2: I actually played in it, and um, uh, was it? Was it uh, Johnny, yeah, Johnny that M- had yeah. the laser? Yeah, no, so um, uh, yeah, Johnny destroyed 21 floors, uh, with one shot, which was kind of quite fun. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it, it ran quite well, didn't
1: it? Yeah, it yeah, no, way, it did actually. work, yeah, yeah, so um. Basically done now, isn't it then, uh, uh, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done, yeah. One it's, run session, it was an easy, easy. Yeah, easy, easy,
2: yeah. yeah. No, oh, we, don't, we don't have 50 floors to it. It was good, but It felt good.
1: It reminded me <laughs> in a weird way of our first, so first like, playtest so I did with Salvage Union, where I was like, okay, this, there, there is a game here. There's, I there's tend to really good. need to, I'd have to run something before I feel any confidence yeah. about it. <laughs> like Until I've run something, I'm always like, uh, this is is this good? I don't know, this is probably yeah, we, bad. It was so different in that. Yeah. All I have
2: to do is be able to visualise the cover. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what it aesthetically looks like, and I'm like, yeah, no, cool, I can see that. That's a product, yeah. and you're like, yeah, no, but it, does it actually play well? Yeah. <laughs> it's why we need to team up because, yeah. like, you know, otherwise, I would produce very nice-looking things that are just like cramped like Amazing covers, yeah. <laughs> amazing covers, but
1: you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah,
0: any plans on going to Comic Con at all, or? anything about that this year yeah yeah, yeah no, we Comic Con.
1: all the cons so yeah, well, yeah comic-con yeah it. we're planning oh, we've going. got
2: something to sell now that's the, yeah, that's the lovely thing something we've been big. going to cons for so many years and it's like we've just got Ooh. like little zine things and we don't have zine, a big book right yeah. Yeah. well
1: we sell a promise don't we? we've been <laughs> doing <pre-andrews, laughs> like, it's, it's gonna be great guys yeah um we done like to three to different october quick starts
0: sorry what was that are you gonna go to the october comic-con in london
1: uh, I think, uh, for, yeah, uh, but, yeah, well, yeah, we're, yeah, London, yeah. we're London
2: based, so yeah, that makes yeah. sense for us. Okay. Uh, so probably Comic Con. Definitely. I'll see you UK there then. Um, <laughs> um, Tabletop Scotland's on the, the, list. Scotland's on the um, list. Galcon on as well. Hold yeah. oh, did you um, say
3: Steve Scotland? Which
2: one? Uh, Tabletop Scotland is in. Uh, is it
3: in Perth? I no, I think it's in
2: Edinburgh. Oh, is it in Edinburgh this year? It was in Perth last year, wasn't it? I think it's changed. by no, now. It Edinburgh, Jay,
1: We'll now? see you there by the sounds of it. They changed
2: venues. Yeah, they yeah, changed well, venues. It's in Glasgow,
3: I'm not fucking going. Oh, is it Edinburgh?
2: Okay. Um, yeah. No. We're. um Yeah. We're. We're planning all of that.
1: We're in the planning yeah, stages. Planning yeah, stages. Um, yeah. We want to yeah, do we're trying more. trying to
2: hit everything really. Um, and um, yeah, we won't be at Gen Con. I don't think. Uh, uh, but,
1: yeah. Probably not. though we may. Uh, we we'll uh, know. Well yeah. All, but yeah. Um, you know, there may we'll be people see. stocking, establishing at Gen, yes, Gen Con. We don't maybe, know. But, yeah. No. No confirmation uh, on that yet. Yeah, but uh, but uh, hopefully. Yeah. yeah um, we're trying to arrange that. And we might be there just as. As punters, as lads, just turning up. Lads on tour. Lads, as lads. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if we'll be. Um, we, we, we won't be. Uh, probably won't be. Uh, we won't uh, exhibiting. Um exhibiting. Which would be uh, nice,
2: actually, because contingency was fun for that. Like. um when, when, having when,
1: fun at a convention I know <laughs> yeah. right like when, when
2: you're selling stuff you rarely get to actually like just play games and go around and have fun so that was
1: really I mean the highlight for conventions for me these days are just sitting down <laughs> so like, yeah. or putting yeah. on my con slippers yeah your con slippers <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah con slippers <laughs> yeah. no Panny's very oh, well story known. there
2: he, he brings a pair of slippers to him to every convention and um, he immediately changes <laughs> out of his shoes into slippers because um, we don't have soft floor you know so yeah it's uh hmm
0: that's not a bad idea
1: when you think no, about it. No, it, it really, really works. Yeah, too, <laughs> yeah, it helps a lot. just feet up Tell doing
3: you it. what, I tell you what, I've seen it a con before. Hmm? Someone walking around in a cosplay of like a tall character with platform Uggs.
2: Platform Uggs, oh my god, that's
3: Platform Uggs. That's such Stop. a contradiction
2: in terms. It's like the most comfortable shoe mixed with the most uncomfortable shoe, surely. Um, does that
0: just then make it a regular shoe? Oh,
3: Regular comfort level, maybe. Definitely not regular looking. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I,
1: think, uh, I suppose the oh. last
0: thing then is uh, where can people find you guys online? Your socials, websites, things like that?
1: Yeah, so um, you can uh, find us, our website's uh, uh You can uh, pick up Salvage Union uh, from us directly there as well as the free adventure modules with the system uh, We were here first, Rainmaker and Force Flag and some dice and patches and other bits and pieces uh, We're also on Twitter, uh, you can follow at Leyline Press and you can also follow at Salvage Union and uh, both same uh, tags are on yeah, Instagram, and uh, we're, on, we're on Blue Sky and various other things as well. But generally, at Press or at Salwa Junior, and we'll find us.
2: Yeah, pretty much all yeah. platforms. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you guys and having you on the show. Thank you again, Panny, for running us the game, which you did. It should be coming up the same time as this does. Mm, yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun yeah. to run it. yeah. yeah that was hilarious. Um did you hear the preview styles
1: you? Oh yeah yeah no it was. Right. Um, yeah yeah it was uh, yeah I listened to the preview it was um yeah it was, uh, all good. audio was really clean as well so yeah. Nice. All right
0: well without further ado. Uh, anything else Jay you want to say?
3: Nope.
0: No? well right. Thank you very much and goodbye. But, yeah thanks thank you very much for your
3: time. Cheers
2: guys.